The Wisdom of Insecurity by Alan Watts. One sentence summary. The Wisdom of Insecurity is a self-help classic that breaks down our psychological need for stability and explains how it's led us right into consumerism, why that won't solve our problem and how we can really calm our anxiety. My favorite quote from the author is Tomorrow and plans for tomorrow can have no significance at all unless you are in full contact with the reality of the present since it is in the present and only in the present that you live. Alan Watts If you like watching motivational videos on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, etc., chances are you've come across this name sometime. Alan Watts It's often hidden somewhere in the description and says something like narrated by Alan Watts. My favorite one is what would you do if money were no object? You can tell from the audio quality that the recordings are old, sometimes take place in classrooms, yet don't feel like a lecture. So what's that about? Alan Watts was a philosopher, speaker and writer, who spent the majority of his life getting the Western world to open up to Eastern philosophy, primarily from 1930 to 1970. He had a long-time radio show at a station in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is also where he gained a large following and wrote most of the over 25 books he published on topics like Zen, Buddhism, religion and spirituality. In this one, he explains the transition Western society went through after the Industrial Revolution, moving away from religion and thus into consumerism, and what we can do to fix our anxieties. Here are my three lessons after reading this summary on Blinkist. 1. Without religion to tell us it'll be okay, life can become very uncertain, and that's terrifying. 2. The happiness consumerism promises us is really just emptiness in a pretty wrapper. 3. Pleasure and pain always come in one package, and embracing that will make you less anxious. Want to be happy in a world where you have no idea what's next? Let's learn how to live with uncertainty. The Wisdom of Insecurity Lesson 1 Without the reassurance of religion, life becomes unbearably uncertain. This answers the question, what, what benefit do we gain primarily from following a certain religion? If you asked Americans what their religion was in 1948, more than 9 out of 10 would have told you they are Christians. Today, almost 20% of them openly admit to having no religion, meaning they've either left church or are just not religious at all. This reversing trend of religiousness started as early as the 1920s, when the Industrial Revolution brought wealth and prosperity to the US. As communication technology and science were on the rise, mythical stories and promises of a wonderful afterlife lost their touch, but also their positive impact. While not being all sunshine and rainbows, the strong and indoctrinated morals and beliefs of religion gave people a sense of comfort and fulfillment. Knowing you're working towards an afterlife in paradise is reassuring and lets you put up with a lot of pain. Once you stop believing in that, there's a gap you have to fill in order to make sense of all the suffering in life. You start asking yourself, where is the reward that makes enduring this all worthwhile? Why should I put up with all this shit? Of course, there are no easy answers to such big existential questions. You can't find them overnight. What you can't find overnight, though, are things like alcohol, TV, and a new handbag. The Wisdom of Insecurity, Lesson 2. 
consumerism comes with an empty promise of happiness. This answers the question, why doesn't buying things make us happy? Enter consumerism. Yes, you could spend your Saturday pondering why you didn't get the promotion, what else you could do with your career and work out a life plan. Or you can go shopping, eat steak for dinner and then to a club. That sounds like a lot more fun. Let's do that. But those things cost money. Ugh. But maybe if you put your head down, work hard and impress your boss, you'll get the promotion next time. And then you can buy even nicer clothes, eat even fancier dinners and go to even more expensive clubs. In the meantime, why not just get some credit to pay for all this stuff? Hold on, hold on. Do you see what's happening here? This is exactly the way we talk ourselves into getting on the hedonic treadmill. That is, doing things you don't like, to buy things you don't need, to go on living, to keep doing things you don't like. It's stupid. This chase for happiness will never be over. It's just what society is trying to sell you, because it still hasn't managed to come up with a better way of giving you true fulfillment. The degree, the job, the nice car, the house. Once you have all that, retirement's still a long way. So you might as well deal with the important questions now. The Wisdom of Insecurity, Lesson 3. Pleasure and pain are just two ends of one spectrum. One always includes the other. This answers the question, why can't we just be happy all the time? The reason answering these questions is so hard is that both finding the answers and accepting them leads to a lot of pain. Even if you know you'd like to be a painter, going for it is hard. You won't conform to other people's expectations of you anymore. You might not make a lot of money. Maybe you can never even make a full-time living. That's painful. So our brain tells us to do something pleasurable instead, like eating a pizza or having a drink. But here's the thing. These things don't fall into two different buckets. They fall into the same bucket, just on opposite sides of it. And one always entails the other. The pain of all the hardships of a painter will always be accompanied by feelings of gratitude, joy and passion, because you're doing what you really love. Just like the fourth martini vodka comes with a terrible hangover the next day. If you can learn to process the painful parts as just one half of the whole thing, you'll learn to see these emotions as temporary and that both are a necessary part of life. It's a minor shift in perspective, but a major shift in how you perceive life and will allow you to make much, much better decisions in the long run. My personal takeaways from the Wisdom of Insecurity for 2017. Okay, Alan Watts is awesome. First of all, the first thing I want to say, no, actually, I want to leave you with that. Um, maybe I can show you a, a brief part of it is, uh, what would you do if money were no object? You should look that up on YouTube and watch it right after this one. It's a really great movie. It's only three minutes long. It's a short speech by Alan Watts, and it's very, very powerful. I've watched it multiple times, and in fact, I'm opening it up right now. I'm going to watch it again after I finish this. Okay, let me piggyback on the lessons. I have several things I want to share that jumped to my mind. First of all, the title of the book, The Wisdom of Insecurity. I love that phrase. I Recently, I'm going into my Twitter every day and I'm trying to post an old quote, something I made four or five years ago to post on a Facebook page I call Life's Too Short. It's something I started creating content online just for fun. And one of them I pulled out just this week was The price of security is insecurity. And what I mean by that quote is that 
what you get for knowing for sure is never knowing for sure. So for example, let's say you meet a girl or a guy and you you somehow have this feeling that they're very special and you need to tell them and you need to somehow try to get in a relationship with them like there this could be huge right could be the relationship of your life you have somehow you can't get you can't shake this feeling that this person is special and what do we do when we get that feeling 99% of the time we tell ourselves yeah it's no big deal right yeah just nah Okay, so, nah, because we're too scared to do something about it, okay? But what, so so you decide, so most of the time we somehow talk ourselves into sense. We're like, ah, she's moving away next month. It's never going to work out. Or, ah, he's probably in a relationship already. Or, ah, he's such a high level job. Like, he, or he's such a popular guy. Like, he wouldn't even talk to me. You know, we, we, we rationalize not doing stuff about it. And... So then we decide we're not going to do anything about it. Okay, that's a decision that we make. And if we stick with that decision, we have the certainty that we will never be with this person. But on the same side, we always get the insecurity with it. What if? Like, what if I'd just gotten up and talked to her? What if I'd sent him a message on even just on Facebook to say hi? What if I got over my fear and talked to this person? What if, what if, what if? And then we spend our our days in daydreams and fantasizing about what would have been and maybe what not. And we kick ourselves in the pants. And then this whole thing starts. And in the end, sooner or later, the person's gone and we'll never know. So you can never have certainty, right? That's a fascinating thing. You can never really have certainty because even if you do, if you decide something that's certain, you still get the nag, the nagging feeling of like, oh, what if I'd chosen differently? And sometimes that's a good feeling because it forces you to like go, go out, get up and do stuff. And if you've gotten this feeling enough to the point where you say, I'm sick of it, I have to do something about it, that's a great point to be at. And that's a point this book will hopefully get you to. Okay, first lesson, religion, belief. Uh, I've said it repeatedly, I'm not religious. Um, I've gone through all the, so I'm Protestant, I've gone through all the classic stuff, confirmation when I was 14, um, going to church sort of regularly, um, not like every week, but sort of regularly until then. Then it started declining. Um, to this day, I love religion. And just on Quora, I started recently sharing stories about God and parables and so on. There's so much to learn from religion. And I love the idea. And I, I, I see it makes sense, right? The important part, though, is not which religion you subscribe to or what you believe in. That doesn't, that doesn't matter. Like, we should tolerate everybody as they are. What matters is that you believe in something, that you have faith, okay? And there's a great campaign going on in Munich right now from the public TV channels, RID and ZDF. They're like the first and second program, they're called, and they're funded by the public, okay? So they're not as biased. And they have a great campaign going on, and I think it says, what do you believe in? And there's posters of people who've had different things happen to them, and some say, I believe in God, and some say, I believe uh, in Allah, and others say, there was one guy in a wheelchair, and he said, I believe I was lucky, right? So he was probably in an accident, and then he is, now he's stuck in a wheelchair, but he thinks he was lucky because 
he chooses his perspective, right? He could have believed that he was so unlucky that he got hit by a car, for example, but he chooses to believe that he was lucky that he survived the crash in the first place, okay? So having faith in this thing, and whether you choose karma, I really like the idea of karma, that like when you do good things, good things come back. Um, but have something to believe in, right? Have some kind of faith, because that allows you to suffer adversity and keep your mouth shut and just hang in there and pull through. Consumerism versus happiness, hedonic treadmill. Um, this is talked, a lot, talked about in a lot of clubs. I spent the weekend with my sister, right? She was here, so we treated ourselves. I showed her around. We went to the Neue Pinakothek, which is an art museum. We had great food. We ate out a lot. We slept in, right? We really enjoyed ourselves. And now it's Sunday, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, 7 p.m. I'm starting to record these things again. I'm getting back, slowly preparing myself for the grind that happens as of tomorrow. Um, and I think, man, like I would really rather watch another episode of Entourage. But I'm doing this thing because this ties into lesson three. With each thing comes both pain and pleasure, right? So with watching more Entourage and, and sort of spending the rest of my Sunday chilling, I get the pain of knowing I'm not one step closer to where I want to be in two years, which is self-sufficient financially, completely, and independent. So, But doing this comes with the pain of, Ugh, I don't get to watch a show, I have to do something, but it comes with the pleasure of going to bed very satisfied and very fulfilled. So no matter... Right, as you can see, like no matter what you choose, you always get a pain component. Just with security and insecurity, you always get a pain component and you always get a pleasure component. So if you focus on on the right things and knowing that you always get both, it makes the sort of uh, the hedonic treadmill decisions, sort of the luxury decisions, right, the where you chase sort of consumerism and relaxing and so on, leisure where you chase these things, it makes those decisions a little less attractive and the others a little less painful when you choose to work, for example, or to stay up late to finish something. And if you can keep that perspective in your head as you move through your day, that's a very powerful thing, right? Um, and that's also what lets you enjoy insecurity a lot more. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. True, you might be the person getting hit by that car and ending up in a wheelchair. But... Because you always get pain and pleasure from every decision you make, you might as well choose what has likely the higher chance to give you the best return in the long run, which is obviously doing less leisure activities, which is not to say none, but a moderate amount that's not too crazy, and more of the activities that will bring you long-term happiness, long-term pleasure, right? The freedom to spend your time how you want, the, the pursuit of art, no matter whether it pays your bills, and so on and so forth. Okay, so I hope you learned something from this. I'm not going to play the movie right now. I'm going to watch it, though, because the summary is already long. Highly recommended. What would you do if money were no object by Alan Watts? Look it up. And I hope you will learn plenty of lessons in the future from Alan Watts. And I hope you enjoyed this summary. <laughs>